I'm sorry. Ready? Welcome to Murder and Mystery. I'm your host, Summer. And I'm Lisa. And we're here with a couple of guest hosts, our, our wonderful mom, Gina, and my wonderful daughter, Rissa. Today, we are going to be doing something a little different. Um, we're going to call this our campfire story segment. We haven't recorded in a couple weeks because our mom has been in the hospital, been very sick, but luckily she's feeling a lot better and she's with us today. And we are going to... <laughs> She's she's raising the roof guys. We're excited that she's out today We're going to do a little campfire story talking about a Common urban legend that we have here in Oklahoma. I think every single bridge in Oklahoma has been deemed crybaby bridge and There's always tiny little variations to the story, but everybody has one I know growing up in rural Oklahoma I heard about it from the time I was very small old enough for it to scare me, you know and stuff. So today we're going to do a little talk about that. And I think Summer has some information about some in different states, right? Right. And stuff. So we're going to delve into that urban legend a little bit. We have some dogs really wanting to guest star today as well. <laughs> yeah, Peter decided he really liked his debut last time. Yeah, so Peter, Peter's become a little bit of a fame hound. <laughs> and so I guess I'll get started even though I've been talking this whole time. Okay, yeah, Lisa, jump right in. Jump right in. Here we go. Okay, so the story of Crybaby Bridge, like I said, it varies from place to place, city to city. Probably even state to state a little bit. Yes. Um, but the story is always the same. It's usually always in like the old time horse and buggy era that it's become a heavy downpour. A woman, you know, poor woman by herself, you know, riding in this cart in buggy is, is trying to get home and has this crying baby with her. And something always happens. The horse gets startled, lightning strikes, she can't see and runs off of the bridge. Something always happens and a woman loses her baby. And it is said that if you go to these bridges at different times of the night, right? Mm -hmm. It's midnight or 3 a.m. or you know, whatever. You go there, you can hear the baby cry and a lot of times they say that you can hear the woman calling for the baby. So right now, if you listen really hard, you can hear my daughter's baby crying, Peter, in the background, because he really wants in the house right now. <laughs> we have crybabies all around us, between my girls and her dog. <laughs> We're set for crybabies. So I asked Mom to come on to the show with us and uh, talk a little bit about her experience, because these things go back as far as almost anybody can remember. You know, I'm not going to age my mother, but... It's been around since she was a child, which means it's been around for a long time because I'm 32, so it's been a while. And Rissa, Summer's daughter, is only 19, and I'm sure she's heard of it. So there are these things. It's just a circular urban legend, you know, that's kind of everywhere. Mom, do you want to tell us? How long ago you first heard about Crybaby Bridge or a legend like that? Oh, well, the first time I heard about it, it was back when I was in high school, which was in the 70s, people, <laughs> and stuff. And uh, the legend that I heard was that there was a lady, and she was actually in a, 
a vehicle, a car. Oh, okay. Driving around the bridge, and it was rainy and storming, and her husband was chasing her. Oh, wow. And uh, she ran off the bridge, which had no sides to it. It was just a Like bridge. a rural bridge? Yes. It? Okay, yeah. yeah. And drove off the side of it, and both her and the baby was, the baby was taken downstream, and she died in the wreck. And so, and I have done this, I have went out there at midnight several times, and you can actually hear a baby crying and see a light, like car lights back off the creek and hear like something yelling, calling for the baby. Okay, do you recall where this bridge was? It was somewhere by Sepulpa. I cannot for the life of me remember where it's at. Okay. But it was out by Sepulpa. Okay. Which is local legend around here. The Sepulpa, you know, area, a little south of Tulsa, you know, is, is pretty local to us. And I grew up hearing it a little different, but possibly the same bridge. Mom and I were discussing that the other night when we were talking about it. How we know that it's south of Sepulpa. It's in a rural area, back road, like dirt road, you know, was where I always heard. That makes sense because when I was doing a lot of my research, I found that a lot of people were saying the original Crybaby Bridge in Oklahoma was in Kellyville. Right. And that's, of course, south of Sepulpa. And so that one, the bridge no longer exists, the road no longer exists, so you can't get there anymore so obviously we can't go find that and try to get some video or anything yeah but. but there was also a couple of articles that I found that talked about the bridge there in Sepulpa off of 66 going to the old movie theater being the crybaby bridge oh wow but that doesn't really make sense to me mm -mm. yeah um because there were just a couple of things there but nothing that had any substance and there was no stories yeah, for yeah. that one. I mean, in my research, and of course you guys might not have caught on to it yet, but some of you may have. Summer is our little bookworm, our resident researcher. She has bullet points on bullet points <laughs> and, you know, notes on notes on notes. I take a little more of a casual approach, but one thing that was common in all of the reading that I did was the fact that almost every single bridge in any town, especially small towns, in any town in Oklahoma, because that's just where I had researched in Oklahoma, has a quote-unquote crybaby bridge. Mm -hmm. Okay, Rissa's raising her hand. She's very formal. Rissa, your turn. What? Well, I grew up over in South Texas by Mexico, and we had a version of that. Was it the Rio Grande? Was there a bunch of babies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Rio Grande River. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. But it was one baby and one woman who actually drowned her baby on purpose. Okay. And my mom, it's weird calling her by her first name, so I'll just say my mom. Summer. Has more information on that. But I just wanted to let you guys know it's everywhere. Okay. Still my thunder. <laughs> you can cut it out. No. Uh, okay, so this is all over. Every bridge, apparently even really famous ones. So, Summer, do you have information about that? The Rio Grande Crybaby Bridge? I, well, it's not the Crybaby Bridge, but I do have a story from Mexico that I'll tell. Okay. Do we want to do that now or do we want to wait until it gets later? Later. Oh, later. She's mm -hmm. saving it, guys. She's saving it. 
Okay, so it's killing me. Grand finale. Grand the Rio Grand finale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, like I said, it's everywhere. I think it's all over. I think everybody has different iterations. The story that Gina told about the woman being chased by her husband was one that I had never really heard because all of mine was always cart and buggy, like, you know, horse and buggy, rain, thunder. I think the one that's most commonly told, at least when I was growing up, is that lightning struck, it scared the horse, the horse rears back, the baby, for whatever reason, is just beside her and just slides off, you know of this and slides off the bridge. I didn't have car seats in them, buggies. They didn't have car seats back then. They probably didn't have car seats when the lady was being chased no. either, right? No. Back in that time. So, Summer is going to talk to us about some more regional, not so local, some more regional myths and, uh, of course, her research and what she's notes done. Notes on notes on notes. Notes on notes on notes. So, uh, Summer, you got some stuff for us? I'll jump right in. I'm passing the campfire baton. <laughs> So when Lisa and I were talking about this and the werewolves trying to get in the door, uh, it brought up a lot of questions for me and some of the questions I couldn't find answers to, like where did this originate at? And I searched and searched and searched and what I found was, as Lisa had said earlier, almost every small town in America and even some of the bigger towns in America have these types of legends, these types of crybaby bridges. So I couldn't find anything that originated. Um, I found them all the way back in the 1800s and stuff. So I started looking for why this could be. You know, what are some of the things that could cause this? So some of the things that I looked at or some of my thoughts on this was that it wasn't easy to intervene on this type of murder, especially when you're looking at a baby. Um, throwing a baby into a river, it's not easy to stop that. If the baby's going down the river, it's harder for somebody to jump in and get to that baby before it dies. So that's- Would be a parent's absolute worst nightmare. Right. If it were to happen, so there's the fear factor. Right, but if it's the common, parent that's doing it, also, like yeah. the recent one at the Brooklyn Bridge, which yes. Oklahoma tourists, um, shout out to Oklahomans like us, yeah, who saw the baby at the Brooklyn Bridge. So I might kill the baby. I was like, shout to Oklahoma tourists, kill the babies. <laughs> no, they didn't kill the baby. They saw the baby, but it was the father that had thrown the baby off the bridge. Um, also, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make him feel My better. daughter, everybody. Rissa, Rissa's debut. You're a good boy. Look at that boy. Get him to feel better. Okay, so also, um, several of these, as we talked about, were accidents. You know, when you have small bridges, especially these small bridges on back roads that didn't have side rails, you know, cars could easily go off or carriages could easily go off. Mm -hmm. And Lisa mentioned, you know, storms or things scaring the horses and stuff and then babies falling off the carriages or flying out of the cars. Because guardrails really have become an almost recent thing, especially in rural areas. Right. Where guardrails were not a thing. I think there are still several bridges, you know, around this area that right. don't have any guardrails exactly. still to this day. Yeah. 
Exactly. That are still made of wood, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then when you look at paranormal, water is a really good conductor of energy. Mm-hmm. So when you have these spirits and then you have either a very traumatic, very scary death, you know, you mm-hmm. have these accidents or you have somebody murdering somebody else, you know, and then you have that conductor of energy that could be allowing that to play over and over in that area. As you say, it's being stuck there on a loop, like constantly right. searching, constantly grieving the situation, you know. Yeah, that right. would definitely that would definitely lead to more like hauntings, like, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing I looked at was evidence for these stories. You know, and so many of these are just verbal stories that are passed down and passed down, and you can't really find that evidence. So, but I did find two stories that was actual evidence. One of them's right here in Oklahoma. Okay. It is over close to Weatherford. Um, There is a bridge called Dead Woman's Crossing. And I found the gravestone on findagravestone.com for Katie DeWitt, born August 29th, 1874, and died July 8th, 1905. Okay. So, Katie DeWitt's story. Me. Research. (laughs) So, Katie DeWitt was a school teacher, and she was married to a very abusive husband. And she decided to take her 14-month-old daughter, Lula, and leave her husband. So she filed for divorce. Yeah. And she went to her parents' house, and they bought her a train ticket to leave uh, Custer City Mm -hmm. and go to Ripley. Okay. And she had a cousin there, and she was going to live with that cousin for a while to get away from her husband. Mm -hmm. And try to kind of go on with her life, pick up things, and hopefully, you know, he would move on and stuff and wouldn't chase after her. And eventually, they were hoping she could come back. Yeah. So, the plan was that she was going to go, and when she got to her cousin's house, she was going to send word back to her parents through a letter that she made it there safely. She boarded the train, and... Two weeks went by, three weeks went by, and they never heard from her. So they hired a private detective who went, he boarded the same train, he talked to the people that worked on the train, and they remembered her because she had this baby. Yeah. And somebody told them that, somebody had told him that they had seen her sitting with this known prostitute that had frequented this train and had made the same journey from Custer City to the second stop, which was around... Well, okay, so they saw her sitting with the known prostitute. Okay, so he boarded this train and he talked to the staff and they they told him that they had seen her and they recognized her because she had this cute little daughter with this gorgeous name, Lula. Yeah. And she had made friends with this prostitute. Okay. This known prostitute that would go back and forth between Custer City and Weatherford. Okay. Weatherford was the second stop on this train. Okay. And the train ride was about a week long. 
from Custer City to Ripley, where okay. she was going. So this was about a two-day ride into, into her, her week-long journey. journey. Okay. She got off the train in Weatherford and had told the staff that she was invited to go to this woman's house, her brother-in-law's house, okay. and have dinner and stay the night with them, wanted to continue her conversation. And then she was going to take them by horse and carriage to the next stop, where the train stayed overnight, oh, okay. and she was going to pick up her journey from there. Okay. So we had a lot of detail. We knew who she was with and what she planned to do. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he rode to Weatherford, got off on that stop, mm -hmm. and went to this brother-in-law's house, and he said yes, that Katie and her baby had been brought there. Okay. That next day, Katie and the baby had gotten in the carriage with his sister-in-law okay and they had gone for a ride and then the sister-in-law came back he didn't know um, they didn't come back with her that when they got there there was no talks of her going to a train no talks of anything like that they had left to go look at a bridge he was going to go show her this bridge that she had frequented because she thought that it was a really nice place to rest and relax Okay. So. It was like a scenic trip. Right. Okay. So he takes off to this bridge. And along the way, he meets a lovely German couple who have this cute, adorable little baby named Lula, who's Whoa. about 14 oh. months old. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So he gets to the bridge, and there's a body under the bridge that's very decomposed. Yeah. He goes back to town. He gets the local sheriff Horses, and yeah. stuff. And eventually, they identify the body as Katie DeWitt based on the clothing and stuff that she was wearing. Wow. So, it was suspected that she was, um, that this known prostitute this, that she befriended yeah. was actually working with Katie's husband. Oh. And that he wanted her murdered and that they gave the baby to this other couple because if he ended up with the baby, it then they would suspicious. know yeah. what would ha what had happened. Oh, but he goodness. was so angry over her leaving that he had her murdered. My goodness. So this bridge was built over that area. Okay. It's right outside of Weatherford. And it is said that you see the woman walking the expanse of this bridge looking, looking for her baby. Oh, that might be one we have to go I down and visit. Say, that would be right. Cool. That Wouldn't that be awesome? awesome here? Yeah. Uh, see, another special segment. We got campfire story right now, and then we'll go, like, on the scene. Yeah. Right? Maybe cool. have some Facebook video. Facebook oh, Live. Yeah. Facebook Live. That means you guys need to follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Murder and Mystery. And Twitter. And on Twitter, yes. Summer is the tweeter. I am not a tweeter. <laughs> okay, so the second one that I found was at Marion Station, Maryland. And this one, I actually found the information in some old newspaper articles that were posted online. Um, and this is a crybaby bridge story that there's actual articles of what happened. Yeah. So three-year-old Annie Connor was riding with her mother in a horse-drawn cart, horse cart 
on July 29, 1875, they were coming in from town. It was storming, and the thunder scared a horse. As they were going over this bridge, the horse, like Lisa had mentioned before, mm -hmm. the horse kind of started, and it bucked up, and that turned the cart over. The baby flew out, and three-year-old Annie drowned in the river. Oh, no. Um, it was said people rushed to help because this was in town, and the water was running so fast from the storm that the baby was washed away, oh. and you could hear the baby screaming oh, as it was no. rushed away in the river. So I found newspaper articles that showed uh, Annie Florence Connor, born December 10th, 1871, and died July 29th, 1875, and cause of death was drowning. Good. So they say that on that day, and this is during the day, mm -hmm. you can hear her screams wow. as she drifts down the river. Now, where is this at? This is in Maryland. Yeah. Oh, let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can ride that off. So like... those are two that I found that there was actual... Solid proof. Yeah, that there could be a haunting in those places because there were deaths recorded in those places. Oh, that's cool. Wow. wow. So... And then the last one that I have is a legend from Mexico, as my lovely daughter already talked about a little bit. Um, so I've heard different versions of this legend. Um, it is told everywhere in Mexico and South Texas and stuff. It's a story that's told to scared kids. It's one of those campfire stories. It's one of those... You know, don't go outside at night because La Llorona will come and get you. I think it's been made into some movies. Don't it's cross your mother. Pretty don't cross your mother. Don't cross your mother. throw you in a river. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a movie just like a year or so ago that came out. Right. Big, big production came out in theaters. Like right. That. Yeah. So the story that I heard the most often was set like way back, like in the 1800s. And you had this very pretty Mexican girl um, living in a small little Mexican town. And she met a very wealthy American man that came through, fell in love with her. And basically, he was a wealthy businessman who came and went often. He was gone for long periods of time. And they had a couple of kids. And after a few years, as she got older, she started noticing that when he would come back, he would only spend two or three days with them. And he spent all of his time and paid all of his attention to the kids and less attention to her. Mm -hmm. And then one day he shows up and he tells her that he wants a divorce. And he shows up with this younger woman Oh, no. And he plays with the kids, and he loves on the kids, and then he leaves. So, wow. to get back at him, she's heartbroken, and she's angry. So, she takes the kids to a local river, and she drowns them. Oh, man. And when she realizes what she's done, she is so devastated and heartbroken because she realizes out of anger, she killed her own kids. Mm -hmm. She kills herself. 
And when she kills herself, she goes up to heaven, and they tell her that she can't get into heaven until she finds the souls of her kids. So she travels the river at night and travels the local villages looking for the souls of her kids, but she can't find them. So she snatches kids that she finds outside at night, takes them to the river and drowns them, trying to use their souls to get into heaven. Oh my goodness, oh my that's a good one. That's yeah. a good, wow. That right. is crazy. See why I left it for last? Yeah, that's yep. a grand finale right there. Although that, we oh. have an even better story. Because my daughter is going to tell us her story about the axe murderer in our house that we were living in last year. Uh, this is a uh, turn off your lights and grab a flashlight scary ghost story. I mean... Yes, get your popcorn out. Get your popcorn out. Get ready. Oh, this is the actual typical campfire story. It really is. So yes. let's Very hear no, no pressure, but no pressure. deliver it. Okay, so... I guess it was a couple years ago. I was about 17 at the time. Okay. okay, so my wonderful parents decided they were going to leave me alone in this little bitty house with no alarm system. Mind you, and she's 17. Yes, I'm 17. And in the middle of town, about two blocks away from me. They did leave me with the car. Yeah. Okay, so I had gone out and got myself some Whataburger. And I was eating my fries, watching American Horror Story, and I hear this banging on, I don't even know. Like, I was just sitting on the couch. My bedroom door was open. You could kind of see into it, but not much. But you could see the mirror if you leaned far enough. And so I kept hearing this banging, and it was like... And it freaked me out. Of course, I'm watching this American Horror Story episode where these people break into a man's house and tar and feather him because of what he did to his daughter. And so I'm like, hey, there's someone in this house with me. And I'm freaking out. I had my little dog, Abby. I didn't have Peter at the time. So I had a little dog and then a cat. And I was so freaked out, I couldn't move on the couch. I was like, if I lean forward and try and look into my room, I'm gonna make eye contact with this big scary man banging an ax on my dresser and he's gonna know that I know he's there. Just so you guys know, she's sitting in the living room where one of the entryways into the house is. The other entryway into the house is behind the couch and this ax murderer would have had to come in behind her, slip between the wall and the couch and go past her into her bedroom. Okay, but to, I... To go past her behind her to go bang on her dresser with an axe. <laughs> okay, but as you guys might remember from the beginning of my story, I had gone out to get Whataburger. And locked the doors. Okay, but these were like little bitty locks, not very safe. And the door was locked when she came back. He could have locked the door from the inside after he got in. After he broke the lock coming in. <laughs> yeah. He fixed the lock and then he came in and I relocked it. I didn't test the door and see if the lock was still working. I just unlocked it with my key and walked in. And so I'm hearing this person banging on my dresser with an axe. And I was like, I can't let him make eye contact with me because then he'll know I'm there. I was planning escape routes. 
I was like, okay, I'm going to go find the cat. I'm going to get the dog very quietly, go out the back door, go around. I'll have to duck because my dresser or my window in my room was off to the side. I would have to pass it. So I was like, I'm going to have to be carrying these two animals. And the window had an air conditioner in it. Yes, but you could still see out of it. Why didn't you just walk out the front door? Because I mean, he you're could in the see living room. Me. He could see me walking from the kit up from the couch. He could see me go to the front door and then he'd know Question. if he could kill me before I got outside. Question. If he came in while you were a Whataburger, wouldn't he have already known that you came into the house? Yes, but he doesn't know that I know he's there. But so, what if you just went what if what if you just went outside? He wouldn't because, know you were just going outside. Yeah, but I would have had to bring the pets. Would you have I stood up and said, there's an axe murderer in here. I think I'll leave. <laughs> no, but he would know something's up if I grabbed the pets and took them out the front door. But he wouldn't have known something was up if you had gotten up and walked to the back of the house, walked out the back door, went through the alley and around. Okay, but I didn't think that much. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take the, I'm going to quietly grab the cat and then I'm going to act like I'm laying the dog outside. And then when we get out outside, the back door? Yes, out the back door. And then when we get outside, I'm going to pick her up and I'm going to walk around. I'm going to have to crouch down holding these two pets when I get to my window. And then okay. go out to the car and then I was going to call Lisa and be like, "Hey girl, there's someone in my house. I'm coming over." So long story <laughs> short, she had a plan. Yes. This person was going to murder her, but she had a plan to outsmart the uh, axe dresser banging guy. Yes. Yes. And then when I was trying to execute this plan, I started walking through the house, and I kept hearing it louder. And I was like, okay, maybe it's in, maybe this guy's in my parents' room. And I was just thinking he was in my room. And then I went over there, and I realized I could hear it more by the garage door. Because we had a door that opened up into the garage. And I was like, okay, maybe he didn't break into the house at all. Maybe he's in the garage. Because maybe we just left the door from outside going into the garage unlocked. Because there was an entryway through the back door. Or through the backyard. And he's locked out in the garage. And he's waiting for me to be like, hey, what's that noise? And go into the garage like every stupid girl in a scary movie. Yes. Going into the basement to figure out what's going on in there. And I was like, I'm not going to be that girl. So That's right. I kept listening. And then I finally realized it was the ice maker. <laughs> and the ice, it was making ice. And it was dropping it. And it was making a <laughs> sound when the ice was falling. And when it was like making the ice or whatever. And that's why it sounded like it was coming from the garage. My daughter, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Axe Murderer by Samsung. Whirlpool. Wherever you can get any appliance. <laughs> Alright guys, that was a silly that was a silly way to end our campfire, but most campfire stories end in silliness anyway. We want to hear your stories. So if you have a true crime, mystery, or paranormal story. Go ahead and send us an email, write out your story the way that you want it read, and send it to murderandmysterypodcast at gmail.com, and you might find it in one of our campfire 
episodes. We'd love to hear from you. And say bye. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.